season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Indiana native 2025 Louisville commit and Indiana Bulls pitcher and first baseman. We got Caden Kroll on the JKR podcast. Caden, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good, man. So, you know, before we dig into the baseball side of things, I know you said you just got done with basketball practice. So with you being a sophomore there at Valpo, how's basketball season going so far? You know, it's been it's been a really fun year so far. I mean, I've played a lot. I've been bouncing around everywhere, position, roles wise, and it's just been a really fun year because I I re- I really enjoy playing basketball a lot. So it was good just to kind of get out and play with my buddies and kind of compete between us all. Yeah. How good's Valpo this year? I mean, we're having. I think we could have a really good season, but right now I think we're seven and eight. But we've hit a little bit of a cold sprout because we have two star players. They've been running a triangle and two on us. But I think soon enough we're going to start heating up. We're going to get some of the other guys to score a little bit more. Yeah. So, so who are yeah. some of uh, so who are some of those you know top prospects there in Northwest Indiana that are maybe some of your guys' biggest competition uh, when it comes to basketball? For basketball, I mean, Penn. We played them the other day. They have Marcus Burton on their team. I mean, he dropped I think twenty seven points in the first half. Ooh. Yeah, he's really good. We played them, and then we played East Chicago. They got a good guy there, but I'd say our conference in the DAC, we're just really tough, really hard-nosed basketball. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, all right, so let's kind of dig into the baseball side of things. Before we did, dig into that, I got one question I generally start off the JKR podcast with, but, you know, we dug into basketball there for a second, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Caden Kroll? I mean, I'm just a – really friendly guy i'm really social sometimes a little too much social because i'll just start talking to you and then i'll talk to you for two hours about random conversations so i just yeah really social okay all right so we talked about valpo basketball there for a little bit but let's go ahead let's dig into valpo baseball freshman last season head into your sophomore season this year i know you got max is it realm or Reem? yeah max Reem. Reem, okay. I mean, I know he's your, I know he's your catcher. He's going to be there at Battle of Indiana. But let's yep. dig into last season as a freshman playing at Valpo. What was last season like? And then you know, heading into this spring, uh, maybe what the outlook is for Valpo's baseball season. Yeah, I mean, last year it was a hard transition because I think that was one of the first times Valpo has ever pulled up a freshman to play the varsity level. But I mean, I'd say it was hard, but I adjusted to it pretty quick. I mean, the seniors, they all took me in. They were really nice. They all worked with me well. And so we went to first round of sectionals. I pitched. We won that game. But then we fell short uh, second round of sectionals. But, I mean, I think this year we have so much young talent with – we got Trent Gill coming up, who's a freshman, who's a stud. And we got Max, who's a catcher. And we got a bunch of upperclassmen who are really good. So I think we're going to have to make a run out here this year yeah. for the next cool. two years. Yeah. So what were some of those big key learning curves that you kind of remember from last season to where it kind of just hit you like, man, like, all right, like I'm, I might be struggling a little bit or, you know, you're facing a little bit of older competition. What were some of those key things that kind of hit your mind talking about like just learning to play at the varsity level? I mean, 
I'd say the hardest thing was probably just location for sure. I mean, because if you miss a breaking ball up in the zone, they'll hammer it the other way to the gap. Because, I mean, I pitched against Lake Central last year, and they were probably the toughest game I pitched all year. And we beat them, but it was such a hard game because if you miss one location, they smoke the ball just all over the field. Because as you get older and older, they're so much better at hitting the ball the other way. So you also have to work on really going inside a lot more because that's where I really struggled in the past. But I really improved in going inside on hitters. Yeah. So being up there in Northwest Indiana, I mean, you mentioned Lake Central there. I know Andrean's up there as well. Um, what is it? New Prairie where Mason Braun's at. Yeah. I mean, Northwest Indiana, is, it's kind of a hot spot for, you know, power five baseball commits and just good baseball in general. But do you kind of remember uh, maybe what that competition level was like last year at the varsity level? Maybe some of the toughest ABs you had um, on the mound. Um, just kind of take us through maybe what that competition level looked like in Northwest Indiana last year. I mean, I'd say, yeah, we played a lot of good teams last year. Pitching wise, I'd say, some of the toughest at-bats I pitched against were in Lake Central. Connor Mish was a tough out last year. I mean, he hammered the ball the other way. Matt Santana, he's on that team. He was a tough out. I remember Josh Adam Chesky. I pitched against him. I walked him three times and hit him once. And the next game, he went five for five with two doubles and a triple and I think two singles or something. Yeah, I was glad I didn't pitch to him. But, yeah, I'd say Lake Central was a tough one. Crown Point was another really hard game. There were some really good hitters there. But I'd say Northwest Indiana baseball is just really going uphill lately because I think a lot more talent and people are realizing that Indiana baseball is just so underrated. And there's so many, like, good talents that are here that people just really don't realize, but they just go immediately down south. So last year as a freshman, were you mainly on the mound on the varsity level or did they allow you to hit and play first base as well? I mean, last year I played more outfield because we had a senior that he didn't play baseball. His He played baseball his freshman year, and then he quit sophomore and junior year. And then he came back his senior year and ended up batting, I think it was 485. Ooh. He was a north-south all-star, all-area, all-region, all-area, all-conference. I mean, he was just stud. I got to know him really well. And so I played mainly outfield. But, yeah, I hit a lot. So, But toward the beginning of the year, I mean, I didn't really hit that much. I don't really think my coach realized that I could hit as well as I could because I was so young and I just hit like the non-conference games but then he started getting me more at bats and I started hitting a lot more because I genuinely tend to start off kind of bad during the season but then as the season goes on I start to heat up a lot. Yeah. So there at Valpo you know you have you you have Trent Gill who I believe is committed to IU you have yeah. Max Ream who you know he isn't committed yet but you know, he's a guy plays for the Indiana Bulls as well, you know, who's known from across the state. But who are some of those other guys that just Indiana baseball fans should be on the lookout for when they're going to a game this spring, going to watch Valpo? Who are some of those other guys on your team this spring to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'd say uh, we got a junior third baseman, Andres Guzman, who's really good. He's got raw power, hits the ball the other way well. We got a couple seniors, Jimmy Shiflett. I mean, Miles Spellbarney Wilson, they're pretty solid too. I mean, they're just good baseball players. And then another junior, Phil Amons, he's a really good shortstop. He's got good hands, good bat, and some other pitchers. I mean, when you talk about Max, Max is a two-way player. I mean, he might pitch a little bit for us this year too, as well as a catcher. So we're really going to need some arms. But, yeah, we got – oh, Nate Brumfield, he's another really good junior catcher. I mean, he's been going to a lot of PBR showcases, trying to get out there, and I think he could go to a big college. Yeah, he's pretty good too. 
Yeah. So last year as a freshman, you were playing, you know, pitching and hitting on the varsity level. What would you say is tougher when you're playing for the Indiana Bulls? You know, you're going down there to WWBA, Lake Point, all those big time tournaments facing some of the best competition in the country who are your age. Is that tougher than when you're actually playing varsity high school baseball and you're facing up guys who are, you know, 17, 18 years old, probably have beards going to college? What's tougher? And then what's that like adjustment there playing those two separate levels? I mean, I'd say from my experience, some of the teams that we faced did not have the talent level that I faced in those high level tournaments versus travel ball versus high school. I mean, some of the high school teams, they were just dominant that they had pitchers all over. Like I said, uh, Chesterton had a really good guy. I mean, Laporte had Worth Cam Worthington, who's up to like 90. Lake Central had Connor Pangburn, who's up to like 90. I mean, but travel ball just consistently, the pitchers, I think, were a little bit tougher and the hitters were a little bit tougher. But I'd say, yeah, I'd say travel ball is a little more difficult. But I'd say high school baseball was just different because we started off so much earlier and it was really cold. And so if you don't get your hands through the zone, you're going to get a nice little stinger coming in the dugout. Yeah, I remember I remember those first couple of weeks of spring uh, back because I mean, I'm just a, I mean, I guess I can't say I'm five years older than you. So I graduated 2020 that COVID year, you know, where I missed my uh, senior baseball season. But man, I re oh man, that was the worst feeling, you know, being in that dugout, you know, having to, you know, wear your a couple sweatshirts, you know, when you're not when you're in the dugout, you know, having to wear oh man, that was who those March games were tough. Uh, yeah, but, uh, one last question about high school before we dig into travel baseball a little bit. So, you know, this this winter, I'm going to say, just in a couple of weeks from now, one big event that you're, you're going to do before your season even gets started, Battle of Indiana. Um, so let's kind of dig into that a little bit. I, I actually, I can pull up who you're facing. I haven't, I, I'll have to look. But, you know, what are you looking forward to most of, you know, taking part in the inaugural Battle of Indiana, facing up some against the top competition in the state? Uh, what, just take us through your thoughts there. I mean, I think it's a good experience to face some of the top hitters that are in my class because I'm pretty sure I'm facing Mason Braun, Brandon Logan, J.D. Stein, Eli Bennett, and Barth. And so I've – I mean, I've played Mason Barth since I was like 10 years old, and we've always just gone back and forth. But I remember the last time I pitched against him, he went like three for three with a bomb over the trees and a double. So, yeah, that was a tough house to get. But, yeah, I'm really excited because I've known all these guys for such a long time, and I'm friends with all of them. but I think it's going to be a fun competition between all of us because then whoever gets each other out, whoever gets a hit off the other person, they're never going to let it down. Yeah. So have you thought about the strategy against, you know, Braun, Bennett, Barth? Um, it's it's still loading up here on my screen, but have you thought about a little bit of a strategy when it comes to facing those guys? I mean, yeah, Braun a little bit because earlier I was listening to his podcast a little bit and he said he's got to work on hitting that off speed. So I might have to take that into consideration. Might have to work on that. I mean – I faced Bennett, I think, once. I don't really I forget what that happened, but Barth, he's a tough out to get. Logan, uh, probably work change-ups away. Maybe four teams up, but I'd say, yeah, I got to kind of think about that stuff, maybe watch a little bit of their swings, see what's their So groups. have you gotten the chance to face Logan yet? Because I know he's in Fort Wayne, plays for the Kings. Have you gotten the chance to face him in travel ball? Yeah, I faced him this summer. I think I pitched – we pitched – because I pitched against some Kings West in the semi-champs that year I mean last year in the summer yeah okay all right so let's dig a little bit into the Indiana Bulls I mean I know you're facing with the Bulls black you guys got 
man. I mean, that team's loaded. Every, every Indiana Bulls team is absolutely loaded from, from my point of view. So let's dig into how you got connected with them. You know, you started up there in Northwest Indiana. How'd you end up with the Bulls in Indianapolis? How'd that, how, how did that connection get started? I mean, since I was, I think, I played rec ball till I think I was around 12 years old, just at the Vapo Americans, having fun. And then my dad started a travel ball team out of Triple Crown for a little bit. And so I played there, 13U. And then 14U, I played that. I played the Triple Crown Lightning. And I was pitching in a game on Grand Parks, the main field. And there was a guy back there, had a PBR hat on, radar gun. He was radar gunning to me. Someone said I hit 81. And then later I found out that I, I got a call and they were like, we want you to come to our tryouts and go to the PBR future games. And so they really got connected there. I mean, and then the future games, I met a lot of my teammates and tried to talk to them a little bit. They hopefully they still like me, but yeah, it was fun. I mean, that's probably, that's, yeah, that's how I got connected with them. Okay. So who was that guy in the PBR hat? Was that coach Hibbler, Phil Wade? Who was that? It was, it was Phil Wade to five. It was Phil Wade because I remember, at the tryouts, he was talking to me about it. He was like, yeah, I was at the game because I was pitching. I think it was it was because there's, like, so many different Canes teams, and I was pitching against one of the Canes teams, and I was throwing good. But, yeah, he was there. Yeah, so when you are faced, when you are playing for the Indiana Bulls, class of 2025, who is that head coach for your guys' team? Uh, it's Coach Bunnell. Bunnell he okay. is, I think he's the Westfield head coach. He's a really nice guy. I talked to him a little bit. He's super nice. Yeah. He's a really and good coach. He, and is he – so for the Indiana Bulls organization, do they have the same coach that, you like, follows you along until you graduate, or do they have a certain coach at each age level? Like, you know, 15U, you'll fit, you'll co uh, play for who, this, whoever. 16U, you play for a different coach. 17U, this and that. How does that work for the Bulls? I mean, I think – I'm pretty sure this is how it works. It's when, as you're younger, your coaches are a dad that coaches until you get up to, I think, 14U it is, or no, the season that I was, 15U. And then you have a coach – that stays with you just for 15 you, and then you go up to six and you have a different coach. Okay. So you said you had the chance to take part in that PBR futures game. I believe that was the junior future game, right? Not the actual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the junior future game. So what was that experience like? You know, I'm sure there was a ton of Indiana Bulls, Midwest Canes players there, a bunch of guys who are probably committed to a bunch of different schools right now. But what did, what, I mean, what was that PBR junior futures game experience like the day-to-day -day competition level? Take us through that a little bit. I mean, it was, and it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. But so when we flew out, our plane, there was a huge, like our plane, it was, I think we ran out of, like our plane was short on fuel or something. So we had to make an emergency landing in Tennessee. And we were stuck there on the landing pad for about two hours. We got a gap, we got fuel, and we flew to Georgia. We got there at 12 o'clock and I had the showcase at 8 a.m. And I remember my braces, I had braces then, and one of the brackets broke off and it was poking at my mouth all tournament. It was so annoying. And then when we got there, I woke up and I had a stiff neck and I couldn't move my neck at all. And I was like, okay, you got to be joking me. And then I got there and I was hitting and it loosened up a little bit, but then I had a migraine and it was just a, it was a crazy first start. But then when I pitched, it was against, I think it was PBR Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma it was. And I came in for a relief for Joe Bland, who's on my team now. And he he was trying to throw as hard as he could, trying to hit like 90 or something. And he walked the bases loaded, and I came in. And I think I struck out the next two guys. And I saw – because when I was pitching, you could see like 
all like the different college coaches in the background and it was pretty cool it was a really awesome experience so i saw i think it was a couple different coaches i remember seeing eric snyder there from louisville which is really awesome yeah. So with all those college coaches there at the PBR Juniors Future Games, how do you, when you're up there on the mound or even in the batter's box, if you got to hit during that event, like how do you go about, you know, just blocking them out, you know, kind of still having that tunnel vision to solely focus on the game of baseball? How do you do that with, you know, just all the scouts around that area watching you play? I mean, you just really can't think in those situations. You just got to take a deep breath and just know that you've put in the work for this and that you've, You've trained and you just got to have confidence in yourself that you're going to perform the way you can perform. All right. So, you know, having a year, is it, is it one year that you've played for the Bulls program was last summer, your first summer, or is it second year? That was my first summer. Yeah. Okay. So now playing for a full summer with the Indiana Bulls, you know, going through multiple different tournaments, you know, seeing how the coaching, what the coaching style is like with you now being an insider of the Indiana Bulls program, like, what do you think has led to all their success? Because obviously you go through their roster or, or the alumni. I mean, there's major league ball players, professional ball players, tons of power five guys, tons of success here these past couple of years. So what, as you, as an insider, what do you think that success has come from? I mean, I think it's partially the coaches, but I think it's mainly just the pride of being an Indiana Bull because they have such a legacy behind them that every, like, when you go out to tournament, you're like, you have to play your hardest so that, you know, you can like prove that you're a bull and you got to take pride in all the work that you do. And so when you go out there, you know that you just got to do your best and compete with every single team out there. And if you play your best against some of the top teams in the country that you could have a shot at beating them any day. Yeah. So with these next two seasons coming up, you've got your 16U, 17U summer to play for the Indiana Bulls. What are you looking forward to most to these next, you know, last two seasons of travel baseball before, you know, you head to the next level, go play college baseball. What are some of those things that you're looking forward to most to finish off your travel baseball career? I mean, I'm really excited just to hang, see my buddies again, because the summer, like I showed up to the first term, I really didn't know them that well, but then I started to really get to know them and create really good bonds with them. And I really, I just love my teammates and my team. So I'm really excited to see them again, just get to play with them because I think it'll be really fun. And I'd say just like, the competition level in the summer tournaments is just completely different than anywhere else you can get a taste of that because it's just crazy how many good good players are there and the people you can see. Yeah. So take us through that 2023 Bulls Black 16U team. So when I'm going to Grand Park this summer, besides yourself, besides Max, I mean, I know there's some other guys that I, I haven't I haven't mentioned, but who are some other guys on that Bulls Black team that myself and just other fans of the game of baseball should be on the lookout for this summer for the Indiana Bulls? I mean, I'd say Joe Glander is one of the top pitchers in the state. He throws cheddar. J.D. Stein's got some of the best hands I've ever seen on the field, and he rakes. Colin Ozenball, I mean, he has some arm issues, but I think he's going to come back with a really strong season. And Cal Gates is just one of the best center fielders I've ever seen play. And we got some other really good guys like Ian Wilson, Riley. We have two Rileys, actually. They're both studs. And then we added some new players this year that – uh, I've, I don't think I've met them yet, but I'm excited to meet them, see how good they are. Yeah. So, you know, playing through travel baseball so far these past couple of years, this past summer with the Indiana Bulls, if you had to dig through just a couple of memories that come to mind when you think about travel baseball, you know, traveling the country or playing at Grand Park, even not too far away from home, what are some of those travel baseball memories that come to mind? I mean, some of the memories are just like, I remember pitching against East Cobb Astros, 
they were one of the top teams in the country, and I was just so excited to pitch against them. I thought that was a really fun one. And I remember when uh, – shoot, what was another good one? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, so we were playing against a team on the short fields in a wood bat tournament. And I was in the 2-1 count, and this kid, he was, like, talking before the game and, like, center field and was warming up. I was like, okay. And so he threw me a cookie right down the middle, and I absolutely hammered it. And then I, like, stared at it for, like, five seconds and bat flipped. And, I, and then afterward, my coach, he was, like, watching it. He saw it fall. And then he was, after the game, he's like, Curl, I saw that ball land before he even started jogging to first base. He's like, you got to at least run that out. And then the next at bat, I got absolutely diced up. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was such a good memory. I remember that one. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so you, you talk about J.D. Stein. You talk about Colin Ozen, Ozenball. So, you know, a trio of Louisville commits there on the 2025 Indiana Bulls team. So let's dig into your recruiting process that landed you at Louisville. So take us through that recruiting process a little bit, uh, kind of how it got started and when you started getting noticed by some of those Division One teams. Uh, I the, My starting point was the future games. I mean, if I didn't go there, I don't think I'd be here where I am today. I'm just really thankful for that because I was pitching and my mom, she said she got an email immediately. Like after the first inning, she got an email from Eric Schneider inviting me to the camp after that. And then, so I went to that camp and then I pitched in the fall and then I got a bunch of other phone calls from like IU and Purdue and a bunch of other teams wanted to talk with. I committed to Louisville, so I didn't have the opportunity to really talk to any of the other ones. Yeah. So going through right after that PBR Futures games, take us through what some of those maybe initial conversations were like with Louisville, um, potentially with some of those other schools that reached out before you actually did commit. What did those conversations look like? And did, for the most part, did they compare or were there some differences between those initial conversations? I mean, I'd say like Louisville, I went on a phone call with Eric Snyder and he was a really nice guy. But I remember in the fall workouts my freshman year, I would come home at like eight o'clock and then I'd go on the phone with IU on a Tuesday and then the next Thursday I'd go on a phone call with Louisville and then I'd come home at eight o'clock and the next week in the Tuesday and I Purdue I mean it was just crazy and I'd say all of them had a lot of different philosophies so it was a really wide variety of just like colleges to choose from in a way but I mean Louisville they're just a really old school baseball get play catch with you see how you throw and I really like that so, you know, you're you're a freshman in high school. You're talking to, you know, you're, you're going through just uh, your freshman year, going to classes, going to practice. And then, you, you like you said, like on a random Tuesday, you'll be talking to, you know, one of the IU coaching staff or a Louisville, whoever it happened to be. What's going through your mind? You're 14, 15 years old, talking to a collegiate baseball coach. At that moment, like just when did it kind of hit you? And like what was going through your mind at that moment? I mean, I would say like it was just like a wow. Like, I mean, I never thought that. I would have gotten that much recognition as at such a young age because my dream was always just to like maybe play for the Bulls my sophomore year, work up to then because I knew a bunch of people my dad gave lessons to that played for them. So I was like, yeah, I'll play for them my sophomore year. But and like I was just like I was just so thankful that I got the opportunity just to be a part and just get a bunch of looks by that. And it was just it was just awesome. I, I was just shell shocked. I was just shocked at the beginning of how many teams are looking at me. Yeah. So before you actually do commit to Louisville, you're still talking to some of those other schools that were interested. What were some of those key things that you were looking into, you know, whether it came to, you know, the campus, the coaching staff, the baseball program in general, what were some of those key things that you were looking into when deciding? I mean, 
I would say I I really like I really liked all the coaches all around of just where they were and how nice they were and just like what their philosophies were. But I would say like I really liked how Louisville did theirs with just the old school and they had the uh, history of just being such a well good program. And IU they they were more on like the techie side and like to use a lot of technology. And so I, that was just kind of that's just not really me because I've never really used like the hit tracks or the pitch tracks before. So I'm just really kind of just like just throwing and seeing what feels good and what feels bad, you know? So do you remember that day that kind of finally hit you that Louisville was going to be the place for you? Yeah, it was. Um, I remember it was the day before I committed. I, I'm pretty sure me and my family were going like, we're taking our dogs for a walk and we were just like discussing it. And I was just like, we were going over a pros and cons list and I really just didn't want to end up talking to all these teams and then eventually having to say no, because I feel like I would feel guilty in the end for having to say no. But yeah, I was just really excited and happy about the decision that I made. And I just, I kind of just wanted to, I mean, not say I get over, get it done with, but I just was really excited just to kind of say like, yeah, I'm going to Louisville. Like it's awesome. Yeah. So going through those pros and cons, list, you know, you're walking your dog, talking to your parents, going through the pros and cons. What was it that just finally snapped to make you think, all right, I'm texting Louisville coach. I'm going to Louisville for college. I mean, I would say it's just the coaching staff. That's what got me because I talked to their pitching coach. He talked about all the same stuff that I talked about Their Eric Snyder. He was just an awesome guy. He like, he kind of gave me like a vibe, just like, like home kind of, you know, the way he talked, like the way he thought about stuff. He like was a really nice guy. And then coach Mack was awesome. I loved him, but yeah, I'd say it really just clicked when, so like when I was growing up, I just, I've always loved Notre Dame, but I went to their camp and that's when they had their old coach and they said they shared like, like stuff, like training facilities with other like places. And I gave them a shot and I was like, I just don't love them how much I love Louisville. And that's when it just snapped the day after I went to that camp. So I was like, yeah, Louisville's for me. All right. So you're at that camp at Louisville. Take us through kind of how Louisville ran their camp. Maybe what were some things going on, some things you saw on campus. And then like, I mean, even some things you're looking forward to once you do head to Louisville uh, when it comes to, you know, campus life and just stuff in general. I mean, when I went to the camp, I knew something was up when I was the first one to get on the mound to pitch at a camp. So I was like, okay, this is a little weird. I was like, my name doesn't start with an A either. So I was like, this is different. And then, so I was throwing and I was just like, wow, this is an awesome stadium. And I just, I think the campus is beautiful. And when we were going on the tour, we went up to the football area and you could see where like the athletes get to hang out. And when you look over the baseball stadium, you can see the Kentucky Derby in the background. And I was just like, wow, that's just awesome. So obviously you had a great relationship with that Louisville coaching staff. You said that was kind of the main reason that put them on top, but how has that relationship evolved? You know, this past year or so since you've been committed and then even beyond that, what are you looking forward to most to September 1st, 2023, uh, junior, your junior year, when you can officially, you know, talk to them on, on a regular basis. Uh, just what's that relationship like with that Louisville coaching staff? I mean, they came to a lot of games in the summertime to come watch me pitch. And, you know, you're technically not allowed to, you're not, you're not supposed to talk to him right now, but I would call, I sometimes I go on phone calls with them and talk to him, but not too much, but I just, I'm really excited to kind of just evolve my relationship with them and see like what they have to help me with, like what, how they can help me and evolve me into a better baseball player and what they can do and how I can help their program out.
Yeah. So with the other relationships you have, obviously, like I said, the trio of you Indiana Bulls going there, J.D. Stein, uh, you, and then Colin Ozenball. Uh, what are some of those relationships you have with commits who are with with players who are committed to Louisville? So class of 2025, 2024, potentially some guys who are there right now. What do some of those relationships look like with other guys headed to Louisville? I mean, I feel like I came in and I was just like the new kid, the hot shot, getting looked at, and I was like, okay. But then I started talking to him more, and I really became really good friends with Colin and JD, and we've really kind of bonded since then, and we're just really good buddies now, and we're really excited just to get together and just keep playing together. Yeah. So I think it's really good that we can create a bond now that can last throughout the rest of college, too. Mm-hmm. So with all three of you guys, you know, committed so soon, have any three of you guys, you know, maybe, you know, pushed Louisville to maybe some of your guys' other friends who are getting looked at at Louisville? Like, all right, man, like – you know, go to Louisville. Let's go win some championships there. Like, have you ever, you know, pushed it on to somebody? Yeah, sometimes I drop the idea to, like, a couple of my buddies on the team. Just, like, say, like, yeah, maybe when I come there, it'd be fun. Because I feel like it would just be so fun if we could get more guys from our team to go there and play there. Yeah. I mean, Louisville, I mean, they have a ton of Indiana guys who are going there. Especially, you I mean, 2025 class. I mean, Jack Brown, 2024. Uh, Mitchell Dean, then the, the senior class. Um, I mean, Louisville's done a pretty good job at recruiting the state of Indiana. But... Um, let's dig a little bit into your actually play on the field. So you're, I believe you said you're headed to Louisville as a two-way player, but what exactly in your mind right now is that plan here these next couple of years? You plan on saying that two-way player? Take us through maybe through your mind what you're planning here these next couple of years and then when you go to the next level. Yeah, I think that I could stick as a two-way player. I just need to make sure I keep evolving my bat and I got to work on hitting off speed as well, but – I think pitching for sure is what's going to separate me because I think with a left-handed and my change-up and the way I can change speeds, my arm slot stays the same. And if I can work on my slider a little bit, get it sharper, I think that could really be a deciding factor. But, yeah, I think I could be a pretty solid two-way player and hit a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So on that pitching side of things, let's dig into that first then move into hitting. So take us through your pitching repertoire. So what are those pitches you're throwing? And then kind of dig through those pitches as well. I mean – so I throw a forcing fastball, which I like to run that up in the zone and in on hitters' hands, especially to right-handed hitters. And then so I also throw a two-seam. But my two-seam in the summertime, well, my two-seam in school season was really good. So it had tons of movement, tons of life. And I would just jam left-handed hitters up all day with that, just get that horrible feeling in their hands like we were talking about. And I just kept working with a two-seam. But later on, it just kind of died off. So I had to change my grip, and I think it's back to where it should be. And so I also have a changeup. My change is probably my best pitch. I mean, it has it has so much depth to it. It has run, it has drop. I mean, it has a good change of speed. My arm's the same. And I kind of just came with my own grip and just thrown it since I was like little. And so I just started throwing a slider. I'd say like two years ago, three years ago. And that's really catching on because I'd say it was a little loopier during the like summer and school season, but I'm really starting to sharpen it up, get late break to it, get more horizontal break and try to get a little more depth to it as well. Yeah. So when you are, you know, adding those secondary pitches, so that slider, for example, or even some potential, you know, pitches you might add in the future, how do you go about developing those pitches or even just adding a new pitch? How do you go about that whole process? I mean, I'd say my number one thing just to help it for a slider like that or like a off speed, a breaking ball like that type, I would say just working flat ground, trying to hit the guy in the chest, not try to go too crazy with it. Work on your targets at first. Not Don't try to throw it too hard. 
try to get too much movement. I'd say just work on hitting your spots, getting over the plate, and get for a strike is the number one thing to work on for sure. Yeah. And then with that four-pitch mix that you have, because you said you had, you had the four-seam, two-seam, change-up, and the slider, are mm-hmm. you pretty set with that four-pitch mix you have going on right now, or do you have a plan on maybe potentially adding a fifth pitch here in the near future? I mean, I would say that if I can master my change-up and my slider, then I could maybe add in a 12-6 breaking ball that I would maybe be looking into toward throwing. But I think right now I'm pretty set for where I'm at. Okay. So what it, what goes into that decision-making to add another pitch to your repertoire? Like how often do you debate it? Like who are you talking to to, you know, potentially develop that pitch? What is that, you know, whole process of, you know, from the idea stage to actually, you know, trying to put that into work? What does that look like when it comes to adding a new pitch? I'd say so. My pitching coach is my dad because he played professional baseball for, I think, 20 years, minor leagues and pro. And so when I go by talking to him, it's just like seeing like if I'm really like starting to fall behind with that pitch or I'm starting, they're starting to like see it come out of my hand, they can sit it. Then I got to change something up and add extra, you know, and I just think that if like, yeah, like if I'm getting hit a lot, then I need to change something up. Yeah. All right, so I've got a couple more questions left here for you, but this Zoom meeting is about to come to an end. So I'm going to go ahead, end this Zoom meeting, and then send you a new link. We can hop on there and just finish off the interview. So, All right, perfect. So you said your dad, you know, played professional baseball, played collegiate baseball. You know, with that mind, with that mind being so close to you on the day-to-day basis, you know, what are you doing to pick the brain of him? And what has he, you know, just trained you so far in your career? And what has he taught you, you know, within the game of baseball? I mean, I'd say almost every day I'll ask him a question. I'll be like, how did this pitch look when I was throwing? I'll be like, how did that look? I was asking questions all the time about what I can improve on and what I can just like work on all the time. But yeah, I'd say I ask him a lot of questions and he really helps me out with a lot of different things because he's been my coach for such a long time and he was the assistant coach for the Bulls this year. And he's my assistant. He's like the pitching coach for our high school team. So it's really nice to have him on the field just in case like something like something's wrong with my pitching. So he can come out there and just make a quick adjustment. Yeah. So let's dig into arm care a little bit. So obviously with you being a, sorry, let me re-ask that. Um, so let's dig into arm care a little bit. So obviously right now we're in, we're in January, middle of the winter, still a couple, a couple months before the actual high school baseball season gets started. So let's dig into, you know, your off season deload, your off season ramp up for you. What does that look like? What are you trying to do? And then what does that ramp up uh, process look like going into January and then onto the uh, high school season? Yeah. So after summer ball, I normally take off three two to three to four months every single year of just no throwing or no pitching just to let my arm rest and recover and so but I've been lifting a lot and so for throwing I'd say I've just I started throwing around like December probably like 14th through 20th somewhere around there and so I've been trying to get more long tossing lately in my bullpens and right now about like 75 80 percent 25 to 30 pitches right now so as that goes on, I'll increase percentage and just increase pitches wise so I can just build up that muscle endurance for season. Yeah. So what does the arm care look like in actual in season? So, you know, let's say you go throw on a, you know, Thursday night or something. What does that look like there those next couple of days? And how are you balancing that with also playing the field and hitting as well? Yeah. So 
I will mainly so say let's say I throw a bullpen on a Thursday. I would do my J bands and my med balls that night for my arm care. And then the next day I'll go play light toss just to keep my arm mode like moving. The next day I'll go out, play long toss. Then I go play long toss the next day. And I would go light catch and I'd go another bullpen, just trying to aim it up, keep going. But I would probably probably do J bands every single day in between and med balls every day in between. Yeah. All right. So let's take a little bit into your pitching windup, your mechanics, stuff like that. Obviously with a with a mind with the mind like your dad, who you know has been with you your entire life, I'm sure you know he's very big into the mechanics of things and making sure you're doing everything right with the small details. But what does that windup look like? What does those mechanics look like and how have they developed, you know, over time these past couple of years? Yeah, so my mechanics, I I've never thrown out of the windup. I've always gone out of the stretch. Because I think it's just more of like a mental block for me because I feel like I don't know why you would change something just because someone's on base. Because I feel like that would just kind of throw you off. So I'd say in like the past couple of years, I've really tried to work on like driving my back hip and expanding my like stride so I can get a little more push toward the mound. And hip and shoulder separation is always number one, just important for working on that. So, but I'd say in the off season, I did a lot of towel drills to work on my mechanics, work on extension, finish, just all that stuff. But like, yeah, my dad, he's big on mechanics. He likes, he likes making sure everything is sound. He's like, if you're not throwing your best, but your mechanics look good, it'll eventually all work out. Yeah. So let's do a little bit. Let's flip it around to the hitting side of things. You're off the mound. Now you're in the batter's box. Take us through what's going through your mind, what your hitting mindset is, hitting approach. You know, you're walking up to that batter's box. What is that approach? What are you trying to do with each at bat? Yeah, I'd say my approach is if – so I'm always sitting fastball, sitting fastball adjust every single at-bat, working gap to gap. I really got – I'm really trying to work on hitting the ball the other way this year, but I'm always trying to hit gap to gap because that's where I've always had my most powers, just gap to gap hitter. But I'd say first two – if I until I get to two strikes, I'm trying to just let it eat, try to hit a ball hard somewhere. But when I get to two strikes, I stride out do a toe tap, don't take a stride. I preload my hands and just hit my hands to the ball and just try hitting it up the middle. Okay. So we dug into the mechanics of your pitching windup. What are the mechanics to your hit, uh, to your batting stance uh, in your swing? Yeah. Um, I, I've kind of, I had to change my swing a little bit because it was off for a couple of years ago because I had tried doing this new mechanics with my back foot where I released it and it went into a toe drag, but that completely threw off everything. So I had to go back to normal. And I really just tried to load up this year, especially just load up on my back leg and make sure I'm not lunging and keeping the leg flat and not cutting too much of my front side and just trying to stay through the ball, especially. But yeah, I'd say just trying to like get the, not hit the ball too much in the air, but try to get more line drives this year for sure. Yeah. So if you were a scout watching your game on the, when you're on the mound, when you're in the batter's box, you know, even when you're interacting with some of your teammates, I know you said very talkative guy. I kind of noticed that when we were in South Bend, you talking to, you know, Mason, talking to Isaac, RJ, all those guys. Um, but if you were a scout watching your game on those three aspects, you know, dugout, mound, batter's box, and in the field, what would that personal scouting report look like? I'd say he, they would look at that I, I'm always trying to pick up my teammates and be a very positive leader in the dugout and on the field. And if someone always makes a bad play, I'm always trying to be the first one there saying, Keep your head up. The ball's coming to you the right next play, and you're going to make the play. That you got to make sure you're ready for the next time. Like, if someone strikes out, 
I, I don't really like when people go out there and just throw their stuff, throw their helmet, throw their bat. I mean, you just got to have a little more respect to the game than that. But, yeah, I try to be more of a positive leader in the dugout and make sure everyone keeps a positive environment. Yeah. All right. So what? So obviously you still have a couple of years before you head to Louisville's campus, but what are some of those key things that you're wanting to work on, you know, this year, next year, before you head to Louisville, what are a couple of those things you're wanting to work on most? I'd say for sure strength, strength and development, because right now, I mean, I just started my, I just lifted for the first time my freshman year, going into my freshman year. That's the first time I've really lifted, tried to lift heavily, but I'd say this year has been my biggest year for lifting. Like I've really tried to focus mainly on my lower body, my half, my lower half, my core, just trying to make sure I have single leg stability, making sure I have, I'm not trying to overload on my back too much because I did that in the fall a lot. So I'm trying to work a lot, just like front squat, front lunge, hex bar deadlift, trying to work ground force up and just trying to make sure I keep more strength going into Louisville. And just, I'd say making sure I keep up like, I'm just making sure like I keep working hard and knowing that no spots guaranteed when you get there. Yeah. So how do you go about those workouts? You know, you walk into the, you walk into the weight room, how many days a week are you going? Um, what are the different days looking like? Maybe some of the different workouts you're doing, what does that look like? And are you using Andy Batochka? I know you're there close to Illinois or do you kind of do some stuff on your own? Um, I try going to lift. I try going a two-day split where I go two on, one off, two on, one off. So I go upper body and lower body. And I just do mainly baseball primary lifts. And I do not use Andrew Petoska from Evolve, no. But I, I've done a lot of research and digging and found out the most, like, important weights. And I've made sure, like, I always talk to my dad and ask him, like, what workouts he did to gain strength and velocity. And so I'd say that really helped me out. But I do a lot of my own research to make sure I'm doing the right stuff. Yeah. So this is going to be my last baseball question before we dig into my rapid fire. A couple of questions I ended off every podcast with, uh, but with everybody that you've had in your baseball career so far, obviously that entire Bulls coaching staff, you're learning from your dad, uh, just every, the PBR futures games coaches as well. If you could pick, you know, two to three most influential people within your baseball career, who would those people be? And what would be the reasoning for them being so influential? I'd say for sure. Number one is my dad, because he like, when I was little, he never pushed me to be the best. He just pushed me out there, just say, go have fun, play baseball, enjoy it. Because if you don't enjoy it when you're younger, you're never going to enjoy it as you get older because you're going to lose the love for the game. And I'd say probably another really influential person, I mean, probably my mom, because she's always so supportive. I mean, she helps me with everything. And, like, she's watched so much baseball that if, like, I go, like, say I go over four at the plate, then she'll be like, you're lunging too much on your front side. She's like, watch your hands. You're dropping. You're popping everything up. So, yeah, I'd say for sure those two. And I'd say Coach Meyer from the Bulls, my 15U season, he really helped me out a lot because he really, like, helped me out with just being more confident in myself and helping me, like, learn the four-pitch rule. Just try getting every guy out you pitched to with four pitches. That would help out a lot, yeah. Okay. All right. So digging into my last couple of questions here before we end off the podcast. So digging more into the personal side of Caden Kroll instead of just on the baseball side of things. So question number one. So you know, when you're looking beyond the game of baseball, what are some of those passions that you have that maybe, you know, take your mind off of things, take your mind off of baseball? What are some of those passions beyond the baseball field? I mean, I've, I've loved the fish in the summer. I'm a big fisherman. I collect a lot of cards. I'm a big card guy. 
I have a couple tracks. This is the little fast RC cars. I like to drive around just to do that. And I just, I really like to hang out with my buddies and just spend time with them. That really helps me just chill. Yeah. So digging into motivations a little bit. So what is it that helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you, you know, go win the day, go get better. What are some of those inner uh, internal motivations that just help you go about your day and go get better? I mean, every day, I know someone's out there wanted, probably like wanted me to do bad. So it's just, for me, it's just to do it for me because I know that I want what's best for me and just to prove them wrong, you know? Because I mean, if someone says you can't do something, you can't, you're not going to ever go division one. It's just like prove them wrong because they're just hating on you because they know they won't ever do it. Yeah. So taking that question a little bit further, what is everything keeps going, everything, everything's going right for you. You keep using your motivations. What is the perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? Everything's going right. What does that look like? I'd say 20 years from there down the road, I'm playing in the MLB. I'm finishing up my season. I've made all-star teams. I'm planning on retiring. And I'd say after that, I, I'm a really big math guy. And I'd say after that, I'd probably want to run my family's accounting business because I just love numbers and I think they're pretty fun to deal okay. with. Family's accounting business. So what, your mom and dad are in the accounting industry or? No, my grandpa started an accounting business when he was older. I mean, when he was younger. And so my uncle works for him. My mom works for him. And my mom's like best friend, she's her boss. And so they all kind of work together. She's a CPA. And so I kind of just want to go out and be a CPA when I'm yeah. done playing baseball. And that's, that's in Valpo? Yeah, it's in Valpo. Okay. Awesome. All right. So down to my final question here on the JKR podcast. So with you being a power five baseball commit, you're going to have the opportunity to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness a couple years down the road when you head to Louisville. So when that does happen and you are able to capitalize on that, what would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate, partner with, whatever it happens to be, what would that dream brand be? Nike, for sure, Nike. Okay, Nike, okay, well, Nike okay, or so Adidas. I think, I think Louisville's Adidas school. So I think you might have to say Adidas there, but no, I, I uh, love, I do love Adidas. I only wear Adidas. I only wear Addy zero cleats. I can't wear anything else. Yeah. Uh, I was always a new balance guy, but I don't think new balance has any contracts with college teams, but you know, if you couldn't choose a big brand like that, you know, cause I mean, I tell people this all the time. Cause I mean, Nike, I get Nike, Lululemon, Adidas all the time. Rawlings is another one. If you couldn't choose like those like four or a big brand, what would be like maybe something else you you would enjoy partnering with? I don't know, like a like a small brand, like a like a small hometown like well, place. It, no, it doesn't have to be a small brand, but I mean, we can go ahead and look past you know the Nikes, Adidas's of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say probably. Uh, I'm trying to think. What's a good one? Oh, probably Crumble Cookie. Yep, that's a good one. That's my okay. favorite place. Every single week on the Monday, I always check to see what kind of new cookies I got out. They just put one up in Valpo or Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is another big one. Yeah. I know, so I've never heard of Crumble Cookie before, before I moved down to Bloomington. And we've got like, we've got like six here. And I, you know, I've stayed away from, I'm, I'm a junior now. I've stayed away from it for three years. And then, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, my girl, my girlfriend comes back to the house with this box of cookies. I'm like, what the hell is this? And she like oh. opens them up. I'm like, man, like, why'd you have to do this to me? Like. What the hell? But no, um, and that's all the questions I got for you here on the JKR podcast. Super pumped for you to, you know, come on the show. Really appreciate you being on the show, you know, highlighting your career a little bit, uh, you know, best of luck here, you know, 
I guess best of luck at, at Battle of Indiana here in a couple of weeks. But even beyond that, best of luck this spring. Best of luck the rest of your career. You know, I'll be pulling for you to, you know, make it to the next level. Go play pro ball. Play, you know, play great collegiate ball as well. Um, Just no, man. Just thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hopefully you can. I'm excited to see you at the Battle of Indiana. That'll be fun. Awesome. All right, man. I'll see you here in a couple of weeks and you have a great night. All right. Yeah, you too. Thank you.